welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So, so I think a lot of our problems, if you want to say problems, are well. There's a number of things. One is you just don't know this, and I think although it sounds very simple, most Christians would not agree with this. They would believe that that God. Holy Spirit visits you and makes you better, so you get progressively better. As you sin less, you get more holy. As you do less, you get more righteous. And it's not that way. It's exactly the opposite way around. You get everything at first. So Christianity is not a getting better type of religion. It's not an improving type of religion. It's not a waiting religion. It is a, by the grace of God, we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. Christianity is not a getting better religion. It's not a process. I mean, yeah, well, there's loads and loads of books written by, by wonderful Christians who talk about the process. It's how they excuse the fact that faith really works. Well, I don't think it's that. I just think it's how they explain the fact that we still sin. So then rather than saying we still sin because we, what I'm about to tell you, they say we still sin because we just only got a bit of patience and we get, need to get more patience. And you get more patience by bearing the gift of the Spirit, you know, or the fruit of the Spirit, sorry, and, or by whatever, being less sinful or doing more spiritual stuff. Now, doing more spiritual stuff is really helpful and sinning is really dumb. And if you are really truly... This, this life of, of Jesus, which doesn't sin, that actually we have no excuse to sin at all. It's not, in the old way, we did have an excuse because I just didn't have enough. I'm not good enough yet. I've not done enough yet. But actually now, we really have no excuse because, because there's, there's nothing, the only, the only excuse we have is this body and soul. And, and what we end up doing at times, which is the flesh, <laughs> Uh, and which is why I don't have any problem when Paul says, live in the spirit. Don't you know? No, you know, the flesh leads to destruction. And, and I think one of the things that we can get very confused with in our grace kind of teaching is there is a very deep and real truth about our sin being forgiven. And our sin being forgiven means that this is possible. So... Our sin being forgiven is, our, is to do with our vertical relationship with God. And it's to do with the fact that our, our relationship with God cannot change because of sin. There's nothing we can do to sin this away. There's nothing that we can do that alters this righteousness because it's not actually ours. And our sin doesn't make Jesus' holiness and righteousness less holy and less righteous. But sin does have a horizontal effect. The wages of sin is still death. And uh, that you might not like that, but, I mean, we, there are still consequences to sin, which is why Paul says, it's not who you are, don't do it. It's why, you know, we, 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 you, know you can say, it's, when you're a Christian, you can't say, yeah, yeah, I just murdered the next door neighbor, but I'm forgiven. <laughs> I'm forgiven and I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Fantastic. And there's no... You can say that, but you're still going to go to prison. Yeah, exactly. Because there are consequences 
of our sin. But there are not any consequences here. That's the issue of, our, of the grace and the holiness of God. So we still have responsibility and we still have, uh, because we, our, our sin, okay, still has an implication in community. It's still my sin can affect you. It can upset you. And, and it just doesn't work by me saying, oh, fantastic, I am forgiven, I'm the righteousness of God, I'm holy and whatever. And yet my behavior has done something that has really hurt you because that doesn't, it, that's not the point of our forgiveness. Is there any separation from that? that there is no separation, know, yeah. Feel yeah. It's because of our guilt and shame. It's because, because of our guilty conscience, and yeah. It's just that yeah, and we've been cleansed of a guilty conscience. That's part of what we do. But that doesn't mean to say... But you still feel guilty. But the, guilt, the, the issue is, it's in this relationship, okay? It's not in our horizontal relationships, okay? Because if you're perpetually hurting somebody or doing something and you say, oh, my conscience is clear because I'm forgiven, that is not holy living. That is really fleshly living. Uh, and, it, and it's deception because that isn't love. It isn't how we love and honour one another. So, um, so habit. The problem is, before we have had our spiritual awakening, let's call it that, okay? Whatever you want to believe about that. Our bodies and our minds have learned lots of ways of behaving. So... Um, if you hurt me, I'm going to hit you. And it becomes a habit. It becomes a hormonal, you know, habit sometimes. It, our body learns things. It learns um, to, to behave in certain ways. Um, you know, if I, you know, if you do this, I'm going to go to my bedroom and sulk. You do it enough times, that's what you do. Sulk. <laughs> it's the same, same sound, isn't it? <laughs> Because that's what I do when I'm upset. I sulk. Can you sulk when you're this? Yeah, yeah of course you can. Is it an expression of this? It's an expression of this, isn't it? And God loves us in that expression. It's not about God's love for us, but it's about living in the spirit. And it's about dwelling in this place whereby you can live in the benefit of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness faithfulness, self-control. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. What? <laughs> and, I, and I missed out gentleness, right? <laughs> Love, who got the song? Oh, nine, 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 yeah. Gentleness, yeah, you're right. Love, joy, peace. <laughs> okay, we've got them on. So if the overflow of your life is not any of these, so sulking in your bedroom is not gentleness, it's not self-control, definitely. Faithfulness, not really. Goodness, kind, no. Patience, no. It's not peace, not joy. Basically, the underlying question is, where are you grounded? Yes, where are you centering your life? Where are you living your life? And that's why Paul says... Put on Christ. Be who you really are. And um, that's what he means by those things. Be who you really are. And this is who you really are. And honestly, I mean, I also have times when I'm like, 
not, 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 not these things. But I think that the good thing about it is we have a way out of it. And the way out is not, oh, I'd better read my Bible tonight. I'd better go to church twice a day rather than once a day. I'd better, I'd better, I'd better. The response is, I'm not being who I really am. So this part of me, which is a great part of me, I'm not trying to do away with this part of me, but this is not the reality of who I am anymore. Uh, it's, not, it's not the person, it's not, it's not the place that I live out of. I live out of this place of love, joy, peace, patience. And, and this is real. It's not a fantasy. It, it actually becomes real. So, um, you know, we were, we were talking the other day, because I think, I think last Thursday I just got really upset about Brian and Frank isn't well, and I went to see him, and he like, looks like he's not going to make it for another few days. And my mum uh, died in the place that Brian was, so I didn't want to go. And so I just had one day where I was just like crying the whole day, you know, and it's like, stop it. But the amazing thing was, it was actually a joyful day, and it's real. And it's like <coughs> gone of those days mostly where that kind of thing floors you and you can't move, you can't get on anymore, and you start thinking, God left me, everything's terrible, what have I done wrong, you know, what's gone wrong, what have I, I, and I don't ever live in that place anymore of soul searching and self searching and wondering where God left me and went and what I did wrong, because it just cannot, that cannot be the reality. So, so you live in this, you begin to live in this reality where body and soul has an effect, you know, we have bad days sometimes, sometimes we just get upset and sometimes bad things happen. It is horrible. It's horrible to lose somebody that you love, and it's horrible. There's no way around that being a nice thing. It's horrible. But in that horribleness is still this, and this is, is a reality whereby we are not tossed and turned, and, and you know we don't lose it when something bad happens, or we don't have to lose it. Because, because there is a deeper reality than this experience in our life that is real, and that's the life that we, that we live. So, um, so a lot of us, the issue we have is these habits that we have developed of behavior, and we learn them when we're kids. You know, I don't know what, whatever habit you can think of. Um, and that's why I think Sozo is really good because it really helps you work out why why do I do this? And often it's because of well it is because of a lie. It's something that we have believed that isn't this. It isn't the reality of of this. And and our bodies just just react. But that isn't who we really are, and it isn't who we live in. And I, I, this is the root of sin. It's when we allow our soul or body to overrule this. Well, you're probably not doing it all the time at the moment. He wants to what? He wants another dog. Self control. Well, I mean, it's not sin to be obsessed with greyhounds and think about greyhounds. <laughs> No, it's rooted in, in, am I satisfied? I know, but that's what it is. Am I fully satisfied? And I think a, a, a lot of our sin issues, if you want to call it sin, is looking for satisfaction outside of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's God actually has provided everything for us. He's provided our 
physical needs, our emotional needs, our, you know, all of our needs that we have, our intellectual needs, our every need. And the thing is, it, it's this kind of, I don't want to say balance, I hate that word, but God in his, God has given us this world to live in and sometimes he gives us, you know, husband to meet some of our needs and that is godly and it's good and it's wonderful and and yet if you don't have a husband god is more than sufficient to meet all of those needs um in reality and so it's it's if we're living in the completeness of who we are this becomes a bonus it becomes a it, it becomes the icing on the cake really it becomes the real outworking and i think you know if you're, whatever it is that makes you want a greyhound, <laughs> okay, it is obviously an unmet need in some way. It is some perceived lack. Now, it might be God's just saying, I'd love you to look after another greyhound. Oh, that's what I wanted to be. <laughs> I like deep down, you like. Because there's nothing wrong with having another oh. greyhound if you've got enough room in your house and you can feed it and whatever else. But, but I guess you do know if you're just saying, I... I I feel incomplete and I'm just going to do this to satisfy myself, then it doesn't satisfy. It's like going on holiday, isn't it? I mean, there are some people who live from holiday to holiday and as soon as they come off holiday, they're like, I need another holiday. I need to, I need to book my next holiday. And, you, and if we're not careful, we get in these cycles of life. And I think for, for me, one of the things that I really kind of learned I think when I was away because I'd stopped working and a lot of my identity was in what I did a lot of it and suddenly you don't do it and nobody actually cares what you used to do so it's not like you're the you know you can kind of live in the glory of past days it's just like you did that kind of thing why would you want to do that as a Christian kind of attitude so it was worse than not having any identity in that it was just like poor you kind of thing so that was quite a I mean I'm just saying that's what it was I'm not agreeing with it or not agreeing with it so so you live your you really begin to learn what you know what is life about and to be honest it was it was quite difficult but you look back and you see the benefit in your life of learning to live in the rest of what this is the rest as in not the rest of it but the rest and now people say to me oh um she's gonna go on holiday i think but my life is a holiday it actually really is a holiday it is i think i don't need to go on holiday i love traveling and going somewhere and whatever but I'm not living from, you know, desperately dragging myself from point to point. It becomes every day, you know, it's, it's just wonderful. And yes, there are times in life when you're busy and it's nice to have a break. It's good to have a break and uh, it's necessary. But it's, it's just great to be able to live in the rest of, of this and realise that this part of us has a habit. So it's not about beating ourselves. It's not about... I thought I had love and now I've got no love and it's terrible. I'm just a terrible person and I don't think I'm filled with the spirit and I don't think I'm even saved and am I saved and he's God there, he's God there. It's not that anymore. It's not, you know, I was doing so well and now I'm doing so badly. It's just, hmm, what is it in me that is not living in the reality of God? What is it in me that isn't satisfied completely? 
what is it that isn't uh, that isn't um, you know that it that that is just looking for something else apart from God? It sounds a bit super spiritual, okay? Sometimes if you're not completely satisfied, I'm not saying you go and lock yourself in a closet and fast for 40 days. God has created this soul and body part of us, and it might be that something is missing. You know, maybe you do need a hug. Maybe you do need to go and walk in the mountains. Maybe you do need to go and walk on the beach. You know, maybe that is... I'm not, I'm not talking about us... Because if we're not careful, there are lots of Christians who live in this live this idea that our life is only spirit, it's only the spirit of, uh, it's only our spirit that is acceptable. All this is unacceptable to God because that is not made new and therefore we put to death the deeds of the flesh. You know, we deny ourselves, we deny our body, we don't do anything we enjoy. You can't dance, you can't sing, you can't go to the cinema, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't look for satisfaction in human relationships. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, if this is the, the focus of your life, you're never going to be satisfied because satisfaction is here. Out of this satisfaction, these things become satisfied. Not only by spiritual things, not only by living in a trance or whatever, although that's great, it will be satisfied living in a trance, but also by reality, you know, by community, by somebody bringing around dinner for you when you're feeling unhappy. And, you know, it, it's, but it's that way round. And, um, so, where, let me see if I can find any scriptures. Yeah. So it sounds simple and it doesn't sound very different, but this massively changed my outlook because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not lacking anything. And if I'm struggling with something, I know where the source is. It's not God's fault. Whereas often, the way Christians talk, it's, well, God didn't give me enough patience. I've not. Yeah, I haven't got love for that person. So I'm doing my best, but, you know, I can't do beyond my best. <laughs> so in a way, there's no excuse. It's kind of a higher level. But, but in another way, it, it flows out of a rest and out of a knowing who we who we really are, and um, it leads to a much more peaceful, peaceful life. And even think he puts you through that process I think what happens is something well first of all if you're relying on a feeling then you are going to struggle with that because this is by faith not by feeling so this is true whether you're having cold shivers or not whether you're having tingling and whatever you, you might be having the most you know difficult day and you feel nothing but that has not changed and that's why it's by faith we're not living in we're not living in a spiritual experience as wonderful as spiritual experiences are but it's not that is not proof of this uh, in fact you can live in this and never get a tingle never get a you know never get anything 
And the other thing is, is it's, it's sometimes an issue of warfare. So we don't have to go through any length of time that we don't feel God. What we have to do is stand in the reality and truth of who we are and just say, no matter what I feel like, that, that feeling is not related to the truth. And so, and that's where you, you know, your spiritual warfare comes in. It's where your declaration comes in. It's where you're, you know, and it's not declaration to desperately try and persuade God to come back to you. It's just saying, you know, so, so I mean, like, for example, what I just said before, because, you know, I sometimes do, there are people that you just don't like, right? I mean, unless I'm the only one that uh, <laughs> struggles with people. And I, and, it's, and I really don't like not liking people. I, I really don't like it. It's like, it doesn't make me happy to not like people. But, and and I, I just suddenly learned that rather than beating myself up about it, I just say, God, you do not have a problem with this person. You don't. You have a pure love for that person, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and therefore, do it, please do it. And, and somehow he does. It might not be instantaneous, but something happens. And it's much easier. It's a resting in the reality rather than a striving. And that's what warfare is. It's the standing. It's the standing on the truth. It's a not, not wavering on, on, on that. So... And the stand of faith sometimes is just to say, speak to your feelings. I mean, I, I'm not, th- there is an order in our life and there is a, there should be, I think, a submission in our life and our body and our soul should submit to the spirit. But actually because of our habits, mostly our, our life is often determined by our body or our soul. So we have a good day because we feel happy. We have a bad day because we don't feel happy. Uh, you know, and that's letting your soul dominate your life, and or you you have a good day because um, you know you something good happened, you saw something good, and you had a bad day because you saw something bad. You know, if you want to live in the body kind of place, and I'm not saying those things aren't important. What I'm saying they are not the reality and the determining factor of our life. So we we don't have to live in that reality. And when you live in the reality of the spirit, the body and the soul come into line with the truth. And I don't know how it happens, but it happens, and that is the truth. So quite often, you know, we talk about, um, like we might feel like our emotion is the thing that's controlling us. And I mean, sometimes our emotion does control us. Um, But if you believe that is a reality of who you are, then that will be your reality. And that becomes the dominant factor of your life. And the spirit part of you is still there and it's still real, but that is not the thing that is really producing the fruit in your life. It's the emotion that produces the fruit in your life. And, and so h- how do you do that? How do you shift that? Well, we've done that loads of different ways, but the way that you shift it is you just fight the good fire of faith. You stand there and say, I might feel miserable today. I might feel angry today. That is not 
who I am because whatever and you know then you just kind of speak out you know I'm full of the spirit of God I have all the peace patience love joy I'm ever gonna need and today it's gonna flow kind of thing and or, or just because as a man thinks so he is I do believe that and he said yeah last week he wasn't sure he did believe it but then he said he did but as a man thinks in his head so he is and that is absolutely the truth we are who we think and if you don't think if you don't if you don't believe that then like say okay I'll give you this example on Thursday last Thursday so I'm thinking I was not upset about my mum on Thursday I didn't wake up being upset you know my mum passed away 12 years ago so it's not something that I every day wake up crying about my mum the only reason I was upset about my mum on Thursday was this nothing wrong with being upset it's a normal part of the grieving process you know we grieve people for as long as we live and there's nothing wrong with that but the origin of that is this because what was I doing I was thinking don't want to go in that place I don't I don't want to see the room that she was in I don't want to remember that day and then your mind's remembering 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 and you're like stop it stop it I don't want to think about that and then you start you know you, you try and stop it and then but then and before long I'm grieving there is an expression of that in my life there's nothing wrong with that but what I'm saying is the origin is this it's your thinking it's, it's what you think that causes the effect in your life so if I uh, sorry you know sorry to kind of give this example but say you know say somebody runs up to you and says you know there's been a terrible accident and this has happened okay what is your response what would your response be you know there's been a terrible accident on the road and like your kids are outside you would get fear and you would get a he would get fear there's a physical response right that's the point I'm making huh But is it real? What happens if that wasn't true? What happens if they just told you that and it wasn't true? I know. <laughs> the point I'm trying to get to you is it's our thoughts that cause a lot of our a lot of our our outworking. Because if if your kids are out on the road and somebody runs and says there's been a car accident and that car accident's got nothing to do with your kids and nothing to do with that. You're, you're already upset because you're thinking about it. Not because it's happened, but because you're thinking about it. And I'm just trying to kind of get you to realise that it is the way we think that, that causes our, our outward expression. You can think yourself into lots of different things. So what I'm saying to you is think this into being. <laughs> think that's how, think, believe this, and that's why it's by belief. It's by faith, by believing. Is there a question formulating, or are you just no, 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 no? Because <laughs> as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And um, go on. Hebrews 4. Yeah, it's Hebrews 4. It's great. I love that verse. There's only one thing in, in, in the scripture that tells us 
that we should strive uh, is either for or yeah strive to enter his rest yeah it's it's great it's the only thing that we have to do what we have to do is is strive to remain in our place and not be shifted and what is our place our place is this it's this this is what we strive to maintain and then the body and soul comes into line which is what how healing works as well in a, in in one way if you want to think of it that because our body should submit to the reality of this and this is not sick this is healed it is completely utterly normal yep uh, it is Hebrews 4 but I can't you're sick because you didn't align your body to I didn't say that <laughs> but I'm saying that's the source of healing if we really understood it because healing is finished and healing is done. And we receive healing by faith. So I'm just, I'm just using it, the picture as the same example. Your sin is forgiven. You are perfectly pure and holy, but this and this can sin. Now why are you sinning? Because you're not living in the reality of what of the fullness of what God has done for you for whatever reason because you're believing a lie because you've learned a habit of the body that tells you, you know, if you do that to me I'm going to punch you uh, or, you know, whatever it is I don't know, you know and, and that is the thing that is dominating you so um, I'm not saying it's easy I'm not saying, because every single Christian on this earth still walks with issues, but I'm just saying this is the, this is the solution yeah. 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 I mean, then. Yeah. This is the key to everything. Ah, well, I think so. Yeah. That I think so. And you're just teaching us because we've got a free slot today. You wouldn't have taught us the central part. No, I would have. I would have done. I would have done. I'd have just had to find some place to do it. Think of it like a journey. When I look at those love, joy, peace, if you imagine the opposite of those, that's how I spent ten years ago. your body and your emotion had learned a way of behaving from childhood. Yeah. 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 So I'm just going to read a bit of Galatians 5. It says, um, so it talks about, Galatians 5 is a book about liberty. So Paul is saying, you know, 
it was it's for freedom that you've been set free why why get back into a yoke of bondage and it's about this whole idea of well you say by grace but then the Judaizers came and said yeah but you have to be circumcised and yes but you have to follow the law so they added on law to the grace of God and and Paul is kind of in despair saying what's happened what's happened to you you know I preached this gospel of grace and you were set free and now these guys have come in and said but you also have to do and um, and so it's this great book about, you know, no, you're free, you're free. You don't have to do that. If you need to be circumcised, then Jesus is of no value whatever to you. And um, so, um, so this is the bit of the fruit of the Spirit. So he says, for 10, Galatians 5.10, Galatians 5.13 even. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. So that's wonderful. That's what he's saying. You're called to liberty. You are free. You are free from the constraints of religion. You don't have to get circumcised. You don't have to not eat pork. You don't have to not do this, do this, not do that. But then he says, but do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, which is this whole kind of argument that people have about you teach grace, people are going to sin. But it's very clear in the Bible, don't use liberty, don't l use the fact that you are free and forgiven as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. For all the, world, the, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And then he says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I mean, if you've been in church for very long, you, you know, you, you will know this verse. But that's basically what I'm saying to you. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So you will not fulfill this habit. You will not fulfill this part of you that says, you hit me, I'm going to hit you. You do this, I'm going to sulk in my bedroom. You, you know, something bad happens, I'm going to have a hysterically bad day. Uh, you know, whatever it is, whatever your habit is, um, if you live here, you're not going to fulfill this. You're not going to fulfill this. And what happens is the less attention you pay to this, the less you give it attention, the less it becomes very important in your, in your life. And the more this becomes more important in your life, and that becomes your your reality. So it says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. And that's why people have used this verse to say, therefore, everything of the soul and the body is bad and evil. And it is not that. It's not that. God has given us a, a body and a soul for enjoying this earth and relating to one another and loving him and, and you know, living in the fullness of everything. And and so it's not, it's an, to me, it's an issue of order. It's an issue of what dominates and what controls. And that's why Paul is saying, live in the spirit, live by the spirit, live by the spirit. But what we've done in the past, loads of churches will teach that. It's like, so, live in the spirit. You better have joy. So you better make sure you have joy. And it's like, oh God, I don't have joy. Please give me joy because if I don't live in joy, then I'm not going to be living in the spirit and I'm going to be fulfilling the... And it just becomes a really hopeless treadmill of trying your hardest to just do better at your Christian life. And you can't do better at your Christian life because the only thing you can do better is enter into his right, rest and strive to enter into this place of saying, you know what, the expression of my life at the moment might not be love, but 
I have all the love I'm ever going to need. So I'd better give up and let, you know, God's love, because my love is not doing it at this, at this moment in time. Um, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Which is true. We know that, don't we? I mean, there's some things we do and we think, why did I do it? But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And that is the law of sin and death. Because the problem is, if you live in the habits of your body and soul, if you live in that place, you kind of, it's still law of sin and death, really. I mean, it's, it's not that you're not set free, it's not that you're not righteous, but if you're, you know, if you're forever hating people and hitting people and, you know, whatever, you, you're going to live in the consequence of the law of sin and death. Because... You know, it's, you're going to live with bad relationships, you're going to live with unhappy people, you're going to live with sickness, you're going to live with all sorts of stuff because that is the fruit of living uh, in, in, that, in that place without living in the spirit. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, okay? So, do you want me to read them to you or do you know them? Do we know a song about this? No. <laughs> we don't need to hear on them, but anyway... So, I mean, Paul is saying these are works of the flesh. What, yeah, what it's saying is when you are just living in this place of body and soul and not actually living in the reality of who you really are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Okay, so, and I've told you in time past. Okay, so what he's saying is, the inner place of where you are, this spirit life, joined with God, full of his presence, the fullness, is not going to produce any of those things in your life. So if those things are being produced in your life, then the focus of your life is not in the fullness of what he's done for you already. And that doesn't mean to say God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean to say your sin isn't forgiven. It doesn't mean to say you're not going to heaven. It doesn't mean to say any. It just means your life isn't going to be great because... There's consequences of living in that kind of stuff. If you live in hatred, if you live in contention all the time, or anger or wrath or whatever, it's just not great. Life just isn't really great if you do that. So you you then enter into the back into the law of sin and death. So the reality of it is whether you're forgiven or not, whether Jesus has risen from the dead or not, whether you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus or not, if you, you live your life for the whole of your Christian life in unforgiveness, chances are you're probably going to get sick because that's how life works. Because life, God has given us this life in the spirit to live. So we're not, that we are not set free from the consequence of sin in the way that I think sometimes we think we are. Um, because sin is still serious and sin is still, still has a consequence. It hasn't got a vertical consequence. There is no vertical consequence because God has forgiven, forgotten, dealt with that sin and nothing about our sin alters the reality of who we are. God does not run away from us when we sin. I mean, there's so many Christians that believe that God is holy. He cannot live in an unholy vessel. And if you sin, then God is run away from you. And that would be awful. And Christians live in that reality. Vessel, a uh, container, because it says you are, you know, you are a vessel of the Holy Spirit. And, and I mean, that, oh, it's, it's such a reality for so many people. 
that you know you you the spirit of God leaves you when you sin because you're a holy vessel and a holy God cannot live in an unholy vessel and um, you know it, it's like you have to confess and repent your way back to God coming back to you and it sounds ridiculous but it's the reality of I lived in it I was taught that for a long time and it's it's terribly sad because our vertical relationship cannot ever be affected by sin it never changes anything but Paul, Paul says but live in the spirit live in the flow of the spirit because there are consequences to living in the flesh and and the flesh of itself will reap death it reaps corruption even now even now if we choose to live in that in that place where we're not living in the reality it does reap corruption i mean we are not immune as christians from the consequence of you know well think for yourself the consequence of sin i mean go on I feel really terrible because I've, I've grown up in circles of, uh, outside of the religion. Yeah. That's just the way yeah. I live. And I know that you have no peace or rest in your life when you live, and that's your environment and where you live. That there is nothing but trouble and circles yeah. and yeah, solutions yeah. and pain and suffering and illness in every aspect of your life. But then coming out of that and living on the other side and looking back and seeing that little bit about sin and death because I used to think that I've had, had it spoken to me that no but if you live like that you'll die I took that as God will kill me yeah that's but I, read, but I also mm. thought well, how can I live I can't but if I've got eternal life yeah but you can live in were you here the other day when Phil was saying Phil was talking and he said you can have life and live in death and it doesn't affect your eternal eternal life it doesn't affect your relationship with God but if you if you live in drunkenness and wrath and dissensions and whatever it, it reaps corruption in your life even though you're saved and loved and forgiven and whatever yeah you can still live a miserable life because because it's miserable it's miserable living in this place and the and and you do reap consequences of that so I, I mean we, we will get back to talking about healing at some point, but you know, there, there are a lot of causes of sickness and a lot of those causes of sickness is not living in the spirit. It's living according to the lust of the flesh. So it's very hard to pick out ones because you think, you know, you know, you, if you want to smoke every day of your life, God loves you, you're forgiven. You are made one with him. You are perfect. You will eternally, you know, go go to heaven. You will make. But because you are forgiven, doesn't make you immune from the fact that you're probably destroying your lungs, and there will be consequences of that. And that's not because God gave you bronchitis. It's not because God cursed you with whatever disease it is. It's because you smoke. And why are you smoking? Were well, you smoking to fulfil the lusts of the flesh? The spirit of God in you does not need nicotine. And doesn't need, you know, doesn't need that. Nor has God made you deficient in any way that your character is only made perfect with nicotine, which is what a lot of smokers believe, or I can only have, you know, can only be peaceful if I smoke, or I can only have good relationships if I smoke, or I can only live without anxiety if I smoke, or whatever. That's not true. That's not the deep inner truth. And I know some Christians never can kick the habit of smoking. 
doesn't make them dirty, rotten sinners. It doesn't make them second-class Christians. It doesn't make um, anything. But th there is a consequence of that because life in the spirit does not need nicotine to flow completely and utterly. Is that a good example or not a good example? Yeah. Um, so, so, so the issue really is, and it's the same with like unforgiveness. Christians can live in unforgiveness for all their days, and many of us do because either we just haven't dealt with the issue, and unforgiveness clinically, medically is proven to cause all those diseases that are stress-related diseases. So, you know, all of the blood pressure, I'm not saying it's the only cause, there are other causes, but there, there, there are well-recognized consequences in your body and in your health. Yeah, bitterness, yeah, it's, it's, it's biblical, you know, it says, you know, a root of bitterness will grow up in you. And, and that's when you're saved and born again. It's not because you're not, it's because you are choosing a life outside of the Spirit in one area of your life. That doesn't mean to say the Spirit of God has gone doesn't mean to say he's left you, it doesn't mean to say he doesn't love you, it doesn't mean to say you're not a great Christian, it just means you're not living in the reality of who you, who you really are. So it says, then it says, um, so the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. There isn't going to be any consequence of living in that. There's no, you know, there's no, it's just going to be, yeah. And those who are Christ's have crucified the past, the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, we're not, you know, we're not crawling upstairs on our knees and we're not, um, you know, we're not beating ourselves to crucify our flesh. It's, it's, we're not living in that place. And I know, I know that, you know, lots of harm has been done on teaching this kind of stuff, if you don't understand it. But I th it, what it means is that it, it, we, we have a resurrected life, you know, we, we're living, we've been crucified with Christ and we're living this new life and, and we don't pay much attention anymore to the body and soul. It yeah, right, okay, I'll finish it later on. <laughs> so I don't need to read it. <laughs> yes, okay. So... <laughs> it says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So there's an issue of we live, it's a reality, but we can walk in as well. Okay, and then I just wanted to read these, these verses to you, because I think this is what these verses are, are saying. Um, so in Ephesians... I've not had any time to teach. All the others, all the others get in there first and have to give way to <laughs> Okay, Ephesians 4, 17 says, so this is Paul again speaking, This I say then, this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And then it's interesting because it says, in the futility of their mind is really interesting it's not it's not knowing who you really are it's not knowing the reality of God having their understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart and then it talks about who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness and greediness okay but you have not so learned Christ, he said, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off 
concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. So there is this part of our, of our life that, that, that we, Paul kind of says, put it off, put it off. Don't live in this habit anymore, put it off. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And I think what I'm talking about is this. It's, it's not denying the body and soul. It's, it's fully embracing what God has given us. He's given us creativity. He's given us relationship. He's given us people. He's given us mountains and beaches and music and art and... You know, he has given us feelings and, and sadness is a great feeling and grief is a great feeling and, you know, happiness is a great feeling. None of them are bad. You don't have bad feelings, you know, but none of them dominate our life. None of them overcome the re deep re inner reality of our, of our joy. But what Paul says is put it on, put it on, live in that place so that there's something that isn't completely automatic. This bit is automatic. It's a done deal. It's finished. It's settled. But we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Romans 12. So there is a transformation that happens. There is a, you know, it's by the renewing of our mind. There's a number of other verses. Yeah. It's, it's changing the way I think. So rather than thinking, I'm just an angry person. I'm angry because that's the way my dad was and that's the way my granddad was and that's the way his granddad was and I'm just an angry person. So welcome to me. You know, we, it, there's no excuse for that anymore because you have to change your mind. You just have to say, I, I'm actually born again. I have a new identity and a new father in that aspect and a new beginning. I, I haven't, I, I'm cut off from, from that in reality, because the, the, the deep inner identity that I am is, is all of this. It's my spirit joined with God's spirit in fullness, and my body and soul can just submit to that. It doesn't happen overnight always, but it does happen, and it happens by the renewing of your mind. Looks really hopeful. On the way here. No. Is it really bad that I'm feeling this way about wanting to talk? I know this is sad, but I'm going out, this is what's going on. It's alright. So, <laughs> you might not get it. No, it's but, <laughs> I was saying, is it really bad that I'm feeling like this? I just feel so much compassion for that person. Mm. I think because I just choose yeah. it And he, he, he spoke to me really well. He was like, is your feeling what I feel? Yeah. And it's like, that's how God feels. He, like, yeah. he loves them and yeah. they're his creation. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that bit is fine. Maybe that you said the root of me wanting it might be in fulfillment or whatever. Well, it might be, but it might be good. But mm. the fact is the feelings I'm feeling aren't mm. bad because mm. they are of him. Yeah. Like he. Yeah. And that's what the great dance is about as well. Like yeah. he showed me that. Yeah. Like when we have joy, it isn't apart from him. Mm. Like it's him through mm. us. Mm. Like singing the piano or whatever mm. we're joyful. But I think what we don't need to do is use sin to fulfil that 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 need. And getting a dog is not sin. So it's all right. <laughs> but yeah, but I think if you turn it to another in another way, sometimes we we do look outside of 
you know, we do look to fulfill our own need. It's when you've got 13 and then the next. It's recorded. But I think, but I think you know, it, it, it's really interesting that God, it, once you stop trying to fulfill your own need, it's almost like God uses those things to actually just show his kindness. So, I, so it's like I, I had a bit of a moment after mum died where I'm like, I think I'll get a dog. I don't even like dogs, right? I don't, I don't, it would be the most ridiculous thing for me to have because I'm working nights, I don't come home every day. How can I have a dog? But I just like, I think I need a dog, I think I need, I think, and it's like, fortunately, fortunately, that settled quickly enough. It's painful, isn't it, when you want something that bad? But I did, I do like cats much better than dogs, you see. You have a cat. <laughs> so I'm like, God, you know. I know it's pathetic. I know you're. I know. I didn't actually know this at that time, but I know you're sufficient. But be, I just would be really nice to have a cat, kind of thing. And and um, it was just like so. I um, <laughs> I so I was thinking, you know, God, would it would it be bad and all this kind of stuff? So I was just mooching about on the internet like you do when you when you're looking for greyhounds. <laughs> And, and I just came across this website of this, this little advert saying two pedigree uh, oriental short hair cats needed rehoming. I love those cats, yeah. So I just thought, and you know you think, God, is this you or not? You know, you suddenly think, is it you? So anyway, basically I went up to this lady up in the moors above Rochdale and um, I said, Can I, I'm interested in your cat. She said, well, it's not really about whether you're interested in my cats. It's about whether I'm interested in giving you these cats so she was a real you know cat kind of lady and it's like you can't just take these cats I have to decide whether these cats are your worthy kind of thing so so she got this massive kind of conservatory out in the garden with it was just like roaming with cats you know so I had my kind of interview in this conservatory so I'm sitting there thinking gosh you know how can I be a suitable cat owner it's like <laughs> and anyway these two cats there were quite a few cats but these two cats both jumped on my knee and went to sleep on my knee at which point the lady said um i think they're yours kind of thing oh, like I that them. i had them yeah 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 oh, so um so and it, and it was like that and i just think god was just really kind to me because as much as he was sufficient <laughs> Ben, I'm sorry, it wasn't me, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> so I think it's, it's, it's not, because you can get into all sorts of extremes of crucify the flesh, you can't enjoy anything, you can't do anything, you know, God is never going to satisfy your bodily needs or your soulish needs because that is not in the spirit. And, and 
Christians have been very harsh and still are very harsh. And that's why you get all these extremes of, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. Some of it isn't good for you. You know, you can watch horror movies, but frankly, probably not doing you very much good. Um, you can watch, you know, 18 plus movies, to be honest, probably not really helping you to live in the spirit. Probably doesn't help you. Uh, so, you know, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial to you. So don't use your freedom as an excuse for... Can I, can I bring up something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have really, 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 really like the Harry Potter books. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think there are no rules. God is not in heaven saying, thou shalt not read Harry Potter. <laughs> and, you know, if you do read Harry Potter, then there's a dire consequence to that. And if you do. Um, I think the question is, is it beneficial to you? And I'm not saying that in any way. Is it encouraging Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness to flow out of your life. Well, I mean, is it something that helps you to rest or relax? Is it something? Then, then that's, that's fine. And I think there are, no, there are no laws or rules. But I have no problem for people who don't think you should do it. I don't, I don't feel like I should... Yeah, I don't think we should go on a vendetta against them to prove how in bondage they are. I think it's just as valid a point. Personally, I wouldn't want my kids reading a whole load of rubbish. I, I really wouldn't because it just doesn't produce fruit. I'm not saying Harry Potter's rubbish. I'm just saying I think there is a place where you think, you know what, this just isn't doing me any good. The spirit of God in me is not enjoying this adultery on the television. Yeah, yeah, I know you, you know what I mean? It's like the, this inner part of me, this God in me, just doesn't enjoy watching this unfaithfulness in this film. My body, my soul might enjoy it, but does the spirit of God in me, is it, is it something that he, he would really value? And, and I think that's where the point comes. Where, yeah, you can, you can watch X-rated movies or you can watch it and you're not, God is not going to leave you. You're not going to be. But is it, is it actually helping you? And if you need that to relax, then probably there's something not quite right. The thing with me. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. And conscience is different for you than it is for any one of us. So for me, for years and years and years and years, I didn't have a television. That's not because God says you cannot have a television. It's not because it's sinful to watch the television. It's not because of any of those things. It was for me, it didn't do me any good. 
because I can be quite addicted to sitting there all night watching the television and I've got better things to do in my life than sit in front of the television all night because it's actually not edifying me, it's not helping me, it's not, doesn't, you know, it doesn't... So for me, I just never had a television for years and I wouldn't therefore say to every Christian, you can have a television. I believe God said to me, I don't even know if God said to me, I just made the choice that, you know, it's just not helping me. But I'm not making a religion out of it. So I think we all have a different level. For some people, they cannot drink alcohol because it just doesn't do them any good. It either leads them into an old habit, which doesn't help them, or it doesn't help them, or they've got medical condition, or they've got, you know, whatever. That doesn't mean to say Christians cannot drink alcohol. And it doesn't mean to say you make a law out of it. It doesn't mean to say you bring God into it in that way. You don't kind of say, well, thus says the Lord, you have to be teetotal. What? You know, it's teetotal, never, never drink alcohol. I mean, you can, you can argue quite well in the Bible to be teetotal, but I, I don't believe that, I, you know, you, you can argue both ways. You did drink wine, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. So what I'm saying is that's why I'm saying you can't make a law out of it. But certainly there's plenty of things that says don't get drunk on alcohol, get drunk in the spirit. So um, so I think this is an issue of conscience, but I think what you have to do is make sure your conscience, because like the problem is depending on what you've been brought up in, some people struggle to do certain things. Like if talk to Sharon I'm sure she would have struggled like anything to do certain things on a Sunday that you or I might not have struggled with at all because she was told it was sinful or struggle to go to the cinema or struggle to you know do certain things I mean I when I was in Malaysia we didn't do a lot of stuff and to be honest when I came back and started thinking should I or shouldn't I I struggled that's because my conscience was not really so our, our conscience is a good is a good indicator and it's necessary but I think our conscience has to be in line with the reality of what God has done because sometimes we just have a guilty conscience we haven't done anything wrong and that's because something else yeah but I would always say is this helping me become the person that you know is it helping me heal the sick is it helping me you know bring the kingdom of God on earth and you know but I think yeah it's the other way around that you should Align the conscious, conscious to the spirit. Yes, exactly. Your conscience should be always, yeah. could always yeah. be clean. Yeah, exactly. The first, I mean, this is just an experience of mine. Like when I do something to get a bad conscience, I stop it. Just yeah. for the sake of not having a bad conscience. And yes. then rethink, yeah. was it good? Is it just my, how I was brought up? Yeah. Why yeah. I get a bad conscience? Exactly. Well, I think that's really wise. Yeah. Yeah.
but then I'm like, is it that bad or not? Because I've read them all anyway. It's a new one that I've not read. <laughs> <laughs> and it's me who gets out of bed and I'm like, should we read it or not? God's probably read it, ask him what you think. <laughs> <laughs> it's so sad, but these things go through your head, don't they? Well, they do go through your head, and I think we don't live on our guilty conscience, but I think what you're saying is really wise. We do have a conscience for a purpose, yeah. and I think I think it's exactly what you're saying. I don't think we should live in guilt because we've been set free from guilt and condemnation. And if you are constantly feeling guilty, that is not a reason. That is not a good place. We live by the conviction of the Spirit. And that is a different thing to feeling guilt. It is not the same. And I think it's really wise what he says. I feel guilty. I'm going to stop. I am going to pay attention to this, which is necessary because if you... If you go against your conscience all the time, then you do sear your conscience and you do become immune to sin. So, you know, you can, you can put off your conscience and say, right, well, I'm just going to, you know, get drunk every night and take drugs and God loves me anyway and I'm just loved and I'm loved. And, and you, can, you can quash that, that, you know, that necessary part of your life, which, you know, just says, this is not, this is not who you really are. Yeah. So I think what you do is you stop and say, I'm going to stop this and I'm going to go to God with this. I'm going to have a bit of a, what is this? Is this, do, do, do you have a problem with this? Is, this? is this sin? Am I doing this because I am trying to find something for myself that I, I'm not finding in God that is not being fulfilled in God? Is it, you know, is it my past? Is it my this? Is it my that? Is it good for me? And, and uh, you know, it might be, not good for you to read Harry Potter, not because it's the devil, but because it just doesn't you, do you any good, you know? And it, oh, I'm not saying that, no, okay? No, I know. Or it might be that God says, you know, it doesn't matter if you enjoy it, just do it. Yeah. And I think this is where relationship mm. Yeah, I was going to say. God yeah. is so much more yeah, interested in exactly. asking him than giving you yeah. set some rules. set of rules. Yeah. 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 And the other thing is, I, I think you know best in your children, some, some things are not good for Tom when he's four, but he yeah. might do it when he's 12 or whatever. And therefore, I think this is always being led by the Spirit. It's, mm. it's, it's like a dynamic thing. And not a, not I think stuff. as well, one thing that's just come to mind, because my kids have watched the Harry Potters and they, they like them, mm. um, is if I had to stop them watching it, they'd want to see it more. Mm. So it's mm. almost like their decision then as well, rather than me telling them what they can and can't do. Well, I think you give them the tools in order to make good decisions. Yeah. yeah. Time, but then I, I just got so fed up of the 
mastery over me. Mm, mm, mm. And I was just like, I, I actually believed that it was written all over my face that I struggled with things. Mm. And then when I got set free from all that, it's, it's like, <coughs> I, I don't know. I, I know that nothing phases the Lord. Mm. doesn't want me to get beat up about anything at all. <coughs> I remember having a really, really strong conscious why everything had been over. I got hit by a lot. Mm. But I just don't seem to anymore. Because the Holy Spirit's just not fussed. About what? Not fussed about. I mean, I've not been anything drastically major. But um, like when, when I was like, struggling with stuff, I just. <laughs> it's really interesting. I'm not doing anything really major. There's the yeah, I, I no no, it, but it's really interesting because uh, Andrew Andrew Womack. Uh, I really love Andrew Womack's teachings, but he gives this story about um, uh, I can't remember the exact context of it. Uh, dealing with these kids on the issue of well, this isn't very big, and uh, about putting dog dog dung on a sandwich. So. He just says to the kids, would well, you just want a little bit then if it's not much? And it's like, you know, a little bit or not big ones will make any difference. You don't really want any of it in that, in that context. Um, I, I think, I, I think what, what we have been set free from is a guilty conscience, which means always feeling guilty about everything you do. But I don't think we live our life um, living in this place where I am not going to feel guilty about anything because we do have, there are consequences to our behaviour and we don't get out of the consequences of our behaviour because we're forgiven by God. We still have responsibility on this earth and, you know, if you murder the next door neighbour, sorry about that, you're going to prison whether you're, and you've lost your life. God, God loves you and you've affected somebody else's family and that they will live with that forever and so will you live with that forever I'm not saying that therefore you have to live in black all all of your lives you live in the reality of your forgiveness of that but but there are consequences of big and little sins really and and God God you know God allows our love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness to to live in healing in those situations but healing isn't isn't oh well I'm just forgiven and I'm not having any conscience about anything and I'm not responsible for anything and I'm not you know I'm not because I'm it, it's not living that kind of a life it's not I'm not going to feel guilty about anything because because God is also in relationship to us and this verse in 1 John that we kind of struggle over a lot in our grace kind of teaching which was you know, if you sin, uh, then we have an advocate with the Father who is, you know, who is willing to forgive your sin if you, if you repent. So if we confess our sins, he is faithful just to forgive and we get all tied up because we think, uh, oh, I'm not forgiven. So I, I didn't confess. And you get these groups of Christians who spend their whole life trying to confess every sin that they did or didn't do in case they didn't confess one and therefore they're not forgiven. And if they're not forgiven, then they're not going to go to heaven. And you might laugh, but that is a reality. And um, I think a lot of that, that thing, so it says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So God doesn't want us to kind of live with this oblivion because 
our sin has consequences. It has consequences in our relationship with God and in our relationship with people. And if we say, oh, well, I'm not, you know, I'm just never sin. I'm perfect because I'm made perfect. Then I don't think that is a life that is pleasing to God. So I don't think God does want us to quash our conscience in that way. Because, because there is a point that says, you know what, I did that wrong. I, I was wrong. And the scriptures say, confess your sin one to another. And that's really important because it maintains relationship. And it is an amazing thing to say to somebody, I was wrong. I, I, I hurt you. I was, yeah. So I don't believe our life is about just quashing every kind of responsibility for what, what we've done or or admitting, you know what, I lived out of who I'm not, I'm not. I lived out of something that is not the real, the real me, and I did that, and, and I'm really sorry for that. And in fact, we can do that with God, because we're in relationship with God. And I sometimes say, you know, God, I just did that really badly. I'm not doing that to get him to forgive me, because I'm actually already forgiven. But it's just, you know what, God, I'm in relationship with you, and I, I don't want to be that behaving like that. Uh, and in my conversation with God, then I do confess my sin sometimes. Not because I'm trying to get forgiven, but because it's like, that's not who I really am. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. That is not. So, so I, think, um, I think that is what this is dealing with. Okay, It's not dealing with putting us in bondage to confess every sin we ever did, might have done, might do, might think we might have done. Because... <laughs> you go mad you really do go mad and there are Christians going mad about that whole issue because you know the the the, the it just it just drives you absolutely mad and that's not where God wants us to live but we have been given this conscience which says this is who I really am and and, and it's not who I am to do things outside of this reality which is what sin is and um, we do do that because we can do that and because we're not yet living in the wholeness and fullness of everything that God has done for us. That's not God's problem. It's not because he didn't give it us. It's just because we're living this tension of life in faith. It's not, if, if it's automatic, then as soon as we got saved, we'd get a perfect body that would never get sick again. We'd have perfect emotions that never got out of control again. We'd have a perfect spirit, but God doesn't do that. So that's why we walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not because we can lose it, but because we walk it. We walk in the reality of it. And um, that's, a, that's a real place of hope, you know, because it means, although Christianity is not a doing religion, there actually is much hope that we can ever increasingly live from glory to glory, deeper in the reality of the Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Destiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk. Thank you.